Hello, I'm Clive Nash. Welcome to Let God Speak. In the previous episode, the topic of Jesus, the giver of rest, was introduced. Today, we will discuss another significant role of Jesus Christ. In the letter to the Hebrews, Jesus is portrayed as our faithful high priest. He wants to plead the merits of his sacrifice on your behalf and mine. So I invite you to take your Bible and come with us as we find out more about our Heavenly High Priest. Well, on our panel today, we have Morgan Vincent and Blair Lemke. Gentlemen, it's good to have you with us today to discuss our very important topic about Jesus, our faithful high priest. But before we begin, I invite you as a viewer or listener to join us as we pray. Our loving Father in heaven, we just thank you that you have given us the Bible as our guide for life, not only for this life, but also for the life to come. And we thank you that we have a high priest in the heavenly sanctuary, Jesus Christ. And it is through his name that we ask that you will bless us today. Amen. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, uh, I'd like to read Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 26, because we're particularly focusing on, on the book of Hebrews. And here in Hebrews seven twenty-six, I read, For such a high priest, interesting words, you notice, Mm. such a high priest was fitting for us. And then it goes on to describe the the qualities of this high priest, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens. Uh, Blair, I'd like to put a question to you. Mm. Why would we need a priest? Yeah, well, you know, our problem is that, uh, unfortunately, we're all sinners. That's what the Bible says. It might not be um, always the most popular thing to say these days, but the Bible pictures us all as sinners. And uh, the Bible also says that those who uh, sin separates us from God. And so the role of a high priest is to reconcile, is to bring back, is to bridge the gap uh, that has been created from sin. So uh, certainly this theme of high priest is is a very important one to be considering. Mm. Okay, so, so Morgan, um, seeing Jesus bridge this, this gap, how did that affect humanity? Mm. I guess in a nutshell, the, this idea of hope is, is restored. And, and I want to read in, in Hebrews chapter 6, and I'll read in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, and the Bible says, We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope, there's that word, mm-hmm. a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone for a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And here Paul speaks of entering beyond the veil and also he's talking of in high priest terms. And, and I just want to reference here, yes, Jesus is our forerunner. And I want to quote from a Scottish theologian. And William Barclay, he says this, the writer to the Hebrews uses a most illuminating word about Jesus. He says he entered the presence of God as our forerunner. Let us put it very simply. Before Jesus came, God 
was the distant stranger whom only a very few might approach at that peril of their lives. But because of what Jesus was and did, God has become the friend of every man. Mm. And, and I love that because that's the whole idea of the priest is it's bringing that, that back to us. And here Jesus is seen as our high priest and also our friend. Mm. Yeah, it's very reassuring, isn't mm. it? Um, now, the, uh, the priests of the Old Testament uh, time, of course, were from the tribe of Levi, weren't mm. they? That's right. Um, after, after the Aaronic priesthood was, you know, sort of done away with in the Levitical priesthood. Um, and they were chosen to uh, be like mediators mm. between God and the people. Um, so, Blair, what was one good attribute or mm. um, positive thing about having <laughs> an earthly priest then at that time? Yeah, well, let me take us to Scripture. Uh, we find in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, we read in God's Word, it says, For every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sin. Speaking of the earthly high priest or priests. Now notice here in verse 2, it says he can give compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray, uh, since he himself is also subject to weakness. And so one of the pictures we get in scripture is that an earthly high priest uh, was able to provide compassion, uh, was able to empathize, sympathize with the needs of the people because he himself was uh, shared like passions uh, mm. and, and, and could uh, put himself, so to speak, in the shoes of those okay. that he was ministering to. Yeah, because you're like a, you know, my fellow human being and knows what I'm going through mm. uh, kind of thing. Um, so Morgan Paul, uh, St. Paul sits about showing that uh, Jesus Christ fulfills the attributes of, of a high priest. And mm. if we go on in chapter five there and look at verses five and six, um, Hebrews Five verses five and six says, So also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was he who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. As he also says in another place, You are a priest forever out of the order of Melchizedek. Mm. So, so what do we learn from this text, Morgan? Mm. It's, it's certainly what stands out is that Jesus was appointed by the Father and, and I want to go on from what you read, Clive, and read verse 7 and 8. And it says, In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. In verse 8, And although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And, and the amazing thing is that Jesus, he didn't suffer in vain. Jesus suffered, and because of this, it means that he can understand us. And that's so amazing to know that we have a high priest who, who can understand us. He didn't just offer, um, you know, these meaningless things. Mm. But he actually offered his very life for us. Mm. Now, the book of Revelation um, speaks about two kinds of deaths. is the first death yes. and the second death. Um, we all die the first death. Mm. Uh, whether we, we die the second, of course, depends on whether we accept Jesus Christ uh, as our saviour um, and the gift of eternal life that he, he offers us. Um, but in verse 7 there, uh, Blair, um, which save him from death? Which death is he talking about here, do you think? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, it's referring here to Jesus dying, oh, the, the second death, uh, that experience. And we know when we look at Christ in the Gospels, 
when he was in that garden of Gethsemane, he prayed that prayer, if you remember, um, uh, you know, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even unto death. death. This mm. picture of the second death, which destroys the body and the soul, uh, which Christ took uh, in our place. Um, and so that we didn't have to experience that death. Um, and we find in Scripture, in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20, uh, it says that God uh, brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead. This second, this equivalent of the second death experience, uh, which is quite an amazing thing. So, you know, we uh, we experience that first death, which Jesus calls asleep. Mm. Um, but uh, but because of how Christ defeated the second, the equivalent of the second death experience, uh, we have the joy of being able to be resurrected uh, by Christ. And what a beautiful promise that is. Mm. Yeah. Now, it's, it's strange, strange to me that the words used about Jesus is um, perfected. Hebrews 5 verse 9, and having been perfected, uh, he, that's Jesus, became the author of eternal salvation to all who believe in him. Um, Morgan, what do you think Paul meant here by, wasn't Jesus perfect anyway? What is, why was he perfected? <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 certainly not an easy you know explanation to give. But what we always see is, I'll read a verse in just a moment. But it's not that Jesus became more merciful or became more loving or became more graceful. He always was those things, and Mm, we could even state that he shows us how to be a merciful five-year-old and Mm. then a merciful twelve-year-old and a merciful thirty-year-old all throughout his life. He demonstrates this. But his sufferings allowed him and made him sympathetic Mm. in the way that he dealt with people. And I want to read in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 17. It says, Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. And so there it Mm. is. He's not only merciful, but he is faithful. Mm. Okay, now, so Blair, um, we have a, a heavenly high priest and, mm. and that's, that is a great boon for us mm. to have that. Um, but can we as Christians engage in, in a priestly ministry too, do you think? Yeah. That's a really interesting question. And I want to direct our attention to First Peter uh, in chapter 2, verse 9. Uh, we read an interesting passage that addresses what you've just raised, Clive. And uh, we read in God's word, it says this, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so scripture pictures Christians uh, as being a part of this uh, royal priesthood, this holy nation. And so we have a very uh, special calling to Mm -hmm. minister uh, to, to others, to be proclaimers of the gospel, to intercede on behalf of people, to act as, as the role uh, of an intercessor, of a reconciler, mm-hmm. uh, as we re- lead others uh, to Christ as, as, as a, a, in, a, in a sense, in a priestly capacity. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, coming back to the book of Hebrews again, Morgan, um, Jesus is described as being a, a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Mm. Um, what is meant by that, do you think, this Melchizedekian priesthood? Sure, sure. No, let's, let's read it. And, and I'm going to read, Clive, uh, in Hebrews chapter 7. And I'll read from verses 1 to 3. And, and this will help us all understand. And it reads, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, met Abraham returning 
uh, from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. And to him Abraham apportioned a tenth part of everything. He is first by translation of his name, king of righteousness. And then he is also king of Salem, that is, king of peace. He is without father or mother or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the Son of God, he continues a priest forever. Mm. And we know that Melchizedek had parents. We just read that. Mm. And, but we know that even though there's no record of them within Genesis, Melchizedek then becomes a good metaphor mm. for mm. Jesus. And the reason being is that he is like the Son of God. And that's the important point. He, not, he, he isn't the Son of God, but rather he is like the Son of God. And so the important point here to note for, for us and our viewers is that Jesus is the high priest. Mm. Jesus is the high priest. Yeah, and, and the translation you read there, you mm. use the word resembling. Resembling. Um, so like, you know, he, mm. he was... Um, he was it was kind of like lessons. a simile, you know, or a <laughs> yeah, metaphor, yeah. as you say, yeah. Yeah, for that, um, that he had no father or mother. Hmm. Um, now, I'm going to go back actually to that account about Melchizedek in Genesis chapter 14 and verse 18. This is a, an interesting text here regarding that Melchizedek. It says that Melchizedek king, and so we've got this idea of being a king as well, uh, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God. Mm. So he had this dual role uh, here, both king and priest. And is, is that an appropriate um, comparison, mm. uh, Blair, for, for Jesus? It is interesting that in that text, he, it is mentioned as both a king and a priest. And we've seen as we've you know been reading through Hebrews, we see in the book of Hebrews that Christ is pictured as our high priest. And so that's a very appropriate fitting type. Um, but the king as well, the king type, anti-type is, uh, is also fitting because if we, we see in scripture and um, particularly in Revelation, I'll just quickly flick across to um, Revelation chapter 19, verse 16. Uh, we find quite an interesting passage there where Jesus is described uh, indeed as a king, a coming king and a conqueror. It says he has uh, on his robe and on his thigh, a name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this indeed does seem like a very fitting type. Uh, Melchizedek being a king and a high priest mm-hmm. in the same way uh, that Christ came as a, a better king and a better high priest. Mm. Mm. Yes, he, he's, a, he's a sovereign of the universe, really, isn't he? Mm. And, and uh, of course, Handel's Messiah, I think, uses that that uh, mm. phrase, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, mm. and that, that wonderful Hallelujah chorus. Yes. <laughs> and uh, I, I hope that one of these days, or I, I have the assurance that one of these days we're going to sing uh, that, mm. that song of adoration to Jesus. Not only our priest, uh, he will lay aside, of course, his priestly ministry at that time yes. yep. uh, when he comes as King of Kings. Um, now, back in Hebrews again, Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 11. Uh, Therefore, if perfection were through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there uh, that another priest should rise according to the order of Melchizedek and not be called according to the order of Aaron? Mm. Uh, Of course, in the days of Moses and Miriam and Aaron, 
Aaron was the priest mm. and his sons became priests in, in turn. But when they entered into the promised land, uh, that task of priesthood was passed over to the tribe of Levi exclusively. Um, but this Levitical priesthood, we noted before, uh, you rightly said, Blair, that um, because these priests were fellow humans, mm. you know, they could sympathise. But, but uh, Morgan, what were the limitations mm. of the Le- Levitical priesthood? Mm. Yeah, look, there certainly were. And just to recap, a priest is a mediator between God and the people. And these earthly priests were, well, sinners, right? And so in the same way that I can't save you and you can't save me, they weren't perfect. But Jesus is perfect and he is the the sinless one. And there's a Greek word that is used here in in Hebrews 7.11 for perfection. And it's the Greek word teleosis. And it means perfection. It means reaching the goal. And I want to to quote uh, from a theologian, Fritz uh, Rienecker, and he states this. The Old Testament law and the, the Levitical system could not produce forgiveness or an eschatological completion or the holiness of heart demanded by God. So in other words, only Jesus could bestow perfection upon us. Mm. And that's the key here mm. to yeah. this verse. Yeah, so, so Blair, what about the sacrifices then? You know, the Old Testament system involves sacrifices. Well, it certainly does. And we find, in a, in a, I suppose, in a similar way um, that when Christ comes onto the scene, there's a better sacrifice. Uh, this theme comes through. I want to show us, uh, or take us to Hebrews chapter 9, verse 13 and 14. It says this in God's word. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling um, the unclean sanctifies for the puring of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve living God? Um, So just like uh, the sacrifices, like the Levitical priesthood, uh, Mm. pointed forward to this better sacrifice, uh, this better priesthood that is Jesus, Uh, And if you notice as well in Hebrews chapter 10, if we have a look in verse 4, we read, it's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. So we see this picture that only Jesus can truly take away the sins. These were all types. They were all shadows pointing Mm. forward to the beautiful plan of redemption, uh, which Christ then comes and fulfills in an ultimate sense. They pointed to Jesus Mm. uh, and Jesus, uh, when he comes on the scene, uh, is that better sacrifice that is once for all instead of uh, many okay. times. Uh, so, so these sacrifices in Old Testament times, um, they uh, were kind of an expression of faith in what was to come. Uh, is that, the, that what you're saying? Certainly. Mm. Okay. So they only had their, their vicarious uh, qualities. There's no power. And yeah. just like that text there says, it's not possible that the blood mm. of bulls and goats could take away mm. sins. Uh, there's no merit or, fa- or you know, a redeeming power in the, in the animal. Uh, it's, it's all a, a pointing forward to the reality uh, of Christ and what he would do. Okay, so I'm going to turn back to chapter 7 now and verses 12 and 13. Now Hebrews 7, verse 12. For the priesthood being changed of necessity, there is also a change of the law. For he who of whom these things are spoken belongs to another tribe, from which no man has officiated at the altar. Um, 
What is meant by this change in the law, Morgan, mm. and Jesus belonging to another tribe? <laughs> well, the good thing, Clive, is that the Bible answers this for us. And so I'm going to read on in, in verses 14 to 16. And it goes on and says, For it is evident that our Lord was descended from Judah. In other words, this is the tribe that Jesus came from. And in connection with that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. So in other words, it was the tribe of Levi that the priests came from. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, but Jesus came from the tribe of Judah. Mm. So I'm going to read on in verse uh, 15. It says, This becomes even more evident when another priest arises in the likeness of Melchizedek. And we've already looked at Melchizedek. In verse 16, who has become a priest, not on, of the basis of a legal requirement concerning bodily descent, but by the power of an indestructible life. And so here, the, the change that takes place is that Jesus is like Melchizedek. Jesus is this priest king, okay, that comes to humanity for the purpose of saving and reconciling. And so Paul is arguing that the law had to be changed because Jesus was from the tribe of Judah. Mm. Yes. So uh, he's from the tribe of Judah, but he's also like Melchizedek mm. Uh, mm. as well uh, in his priesthood. Um, so was there a, a change in the, the laws of sacrifice as well, Blair? Well, it's interesting because uh, we kind of touched on this before. In a sense, yes, because when Christ comes as the better sacrifice, he, uh, it, it's a one sacrifice for all. It's that one act on the cross, uh, as opposed to the sacrificial system where there was several t- sacrifices at different times for different purposes. Uh, when Christ came, there was a change. It was the mm. one sacrifice for all. Yeah, and, and the sacrifices were tailored also, weren't they, according to the, um, to the affordability That's right. of the sacrifice? Yes. Yeah. It depended on whether I was rich or whether I was poor. I, I could bring something quite, quite uh, uh, costly, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like a, a heifer or a, or a goat or a lamb, mm-hmm. uh, or I could bring something simple, you know, like a, like a dove or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, the the yeah. system was built to make it accessible for all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that we, there's a powerful lesson even in that, that Christ is for all. Yeah. Uh, the gift that's being offered, the redemption from sins, uh, is for everyone. <laughs> it's yeah. not exclusive to a certain class or group. Uh, it's a yeah, gift. So it didn't really depend on whether it was a, a, a low-cost or a high-cost sacrifice. You know, what was important was what it pointed forward to, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah, to the sacrifice of Jesus. Um, so let's, um, let's read again Hebrews 7, uh, 16, because the last part of this particular I want to notice, that Jesus has come not according to the law of fleshly commandment, but according to the power of an endless life. Um, so here's Jesus has this endless life. What a what a wonderful thing it is, this quality of Jesus who is eternal. Um, and what difference uh, does that make in the plan of salvation, Blair? Mm. Yeah, I think this points to Christ's all-sufficiency. Uh, the, the, and I, I actually love how verse 25 builds on this of that same chapter. Um, we read in God's Word, it says, Therefore he, speaking of Christ, is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he lives to make 
he always lives to make intercession for them. Uh, there's two fantastic points in this verse uh, that Christ is able to save to the uttermost. Uh, his sacrifice is available mm. for all uh, and that he never ceases to intercede for us. Uh, he says he always lives to make intercession. And so this is an all-sufficient promise uh, that is available to all of God's people throughout all time. Uh, and what a precious promise it is. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I like the, um, the way that William Johnson uh, writes about this. You'll notice this quote here. It says, no man by ordination may claim mediatorial office. No minister of the gospel is to encourage priestly veneration. The people of God must constantly direct their attention to the one who ministers on our behalf in the heavenly temple. And that's from his book, In Absolute Confidence, which mm. is a commentary on the book of Hebrews. Uh, so that's an important point too, isn't it? I think it? that's um, a fantastic point because it, it goes to where Scripture also communicates that there is no... Um, God, Christ is the mediator between God and yeah. man. Uh, and, you know, we're not to look to some human earthly system uh, to be that uh, to, instead of Christ, who is our true mediator yeah. and intercessor. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm not uh, denigrating people who have a sincere uh, belief in going to a priest, mm. you know, to confess their sins. But, but it's clear in Scripture, isn't it? It is. That we have one mediator, as you say, mm. uh, and that's Christ Jesus. And how, how thankful we, we can be to have that mediator. Um, Morgan, what, what further benefits does Jesus grant us under the new covenant? Mm. I'm going to read in Hebrews 8 uh, from verse 10. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and will write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And here we see that there's a change of heart which happens to be born again as a Christian. And, and this is happening through... Jesus writing his law upon our hearts. And this is a tremendous benefit for us. Mm. Yeah. And my final question is to you, uh, Morgan. Um, and uh, I'd like to read Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14, uh, where it says, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he, as Jesus himself, likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, uh, the devil. So here's Jesus mysteriously blending human and divine. Mm. But, but was he sinful like us? In a word, no. <laughs> and he was sinless. He was perfect. And well, what do I mean by that? Well, he was perfect no, and he didn't sin, as I said. And I want to read this tremendous promise in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16. It says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Mm. Mm. And this is the promise for us to always remember. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a beautiful promise, isn't it, to know yes. that we have this sympathetic high priest in Jesus mm. that is ministering in the heavenly sanctuary on our behalf right now. Mm. And as you read there, we can find grace to, to help in every time of need. Absolutely. What a wonderful promise. Absolutely. You know, you know life is, is not always easy. Uh, being a Christian means that difficulties will come because Satan wants to bring us down. But thank God we have a high priest in the heavens. Jesus Christ understands all you and I go through. As Ellen White puts it, he fits his intercessions 
to the needs of each soul. Well, we're glad you joined us today on Let God Speak. Remember, all past programs plus teacher's notes are available on our website, 3abnaustralia.org.au. And you can email us if you wish on lgs at 3abnaustralia.org.au. Until next time, may God bless. You have been listening to Let God Speak, a production of 3ABN Australia Television. To catch up on past programs, please visit 3abnaustralia.org.au. Call us in Australia on 02 4973 3456 or email radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you.